Hi, this is Life Coach David. I'm a certified and very experienced Law of Attraction Life Coach. And if you want to find out more about me and Law of Attraction Coaching, just go to lifecoachdavid.com. And I hope you've been enjoying these podcasts and using the information to help yourself in your own life. And before I get started with reading from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, which we're getting towards the end of. There's only a few chapters left. And then we're going to start with an Abraham Hicks book, which I'm very excited about because there's always such wonderful information in there. I just wanted to say that I set an intention for today to just enjoy the day as much as possible. And it's very important to set an intention for your day. Like when you wake up, you just say out loud, my intention for this day is to enjoy it as much as possible. Or maybe something like, my intention for this day is to feel high vibration all day long. I just set some intentions, and more often than not, your day does go like that. And I hope you've been having lots of wins, and my clients have been having so many wins, it just makes me so happy. And now we're going to get started with Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, which was written by Lynn Grabhorn, and it was written a while ago, but the information is still very valid today and will always be valid. And this chapter we're on now is called Living the Body, Dying the Body. I hope I've made it quite clear by now that I'm not yet walking on water, manifesting gold coins in my hand, or maintaining half a dozen resort villas for which I flee in one of my four Lamborghinis when I tire of my servant-laden estates overlooking the Caribbean. Has my life changed since learning to direct my energy flow like an about-face? Sure, I still have an ample supply of old beliefs that cause my teeter-tottering scales to tip towards negative focus, negative feelings, a closed valve, and bad moods until I catch them and turn them around. Sometimes the process is fast and electrifying, other times so slow it seems like lifetimes pass before I get myself talked out of a downer. There is, however, one area of my recent energy-flowing life that has been more of a joy to me than the freedom of money or any of the other betterments of well-being, and that is my body. When I was in my 40s, in the midst of my worst victimhood years, I had one lousy bad back. Sometimes I couldn't get out of bed for a week. Other times, the spasms that grabbed me were so intensely painful, I'd let out screams that could be heard in the next state. Although I'd managed to crunch into the car, I'd finally make it to work, only to stand or kneel all day at my desk as sitting was far too painful. No sooner did I begin to get that mess under control with a stringent exercise routine than I was off to visit 422 and a half different doctors to find out why my heart was doing the rumba all day instead of a quiet two-step. A holistic doctor finally labeled it severe hypoglycemia, or low blood sugar, probably brought on by stress. A slight understatement. 
I was not in good shape emotionally, physically, mentally, or spiritually. I already put well over two decades of Alcoholics Anonymous under my belt, but nothing was working except that I was sober. I couldn't have found a spiritual direction if my life depended on it, which at that point it did. I was in big trouble. Then it was joints that didn't want to move, excess weight, lack of energy, poor eyesight, bad teeth, and hair going bye-bye, all sure signs of, well, signs of what? Normal aging? No, all sure signs of a life being lived with a valve more closed than open, a life being lived more disconnected to my source energy than connected, a life projecting far more negative vibrations than positive, which is all that aging is anyhow. But why had I shut down? Where was all the negativity coming from that had become so destructive to my body? I wasn't a nasty ogre or a cruel, wicked person wearing my negativity on my sleeve. Actually, I had grown up as an ordinary kid from an ordinary upper-middle-class dysfunctional family. I had done all the right things, gone to the right colleges, worn the right clothes, held the right jobs, and lived in the right places, all with an unfailing pleasantness to my demeanor and properly timed smiles on my face. Yet that underlying tone of normal negativity was my constant companion, and the older I got, the more it blossomed. Sometimes I had fun, sometimes I was happy. Never in a million years, though, did I consider myself to be negative, and neither did my friends. On the contrary, I was viewed as the embodiment of optimistic cheer. Still, I was always worried about everything. With a grin on my face and a good word always on my lips, my constant focus was on lack, in either myself or others, just like everybody else I knew. Now, more than 20 years after the back and low blood sugar episodes and several years of working with the Law of Attraction, I've never looked better, felt better, moved better, or been better. Not even when I was in my teens did I have this kind of stamina, and I'd have to go back to some other lifetime that I'm surely not aware of to dig up this kind of passion for life and living. Fear is rarely a visitor to my world, not even worry or concern. Money comes easily most of the time. You thought I was a pro at this? Surely you jest. New ideas abound. Work is accomplished with fun and ease. I'm doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, for the most part. Bouts of negative focus last only briefly, or for as long as I feel like having them. A continuum of days that are extraordinarily happy comes by my design. And the byproduct of all this? Ah, my astoundingly good health. And that's the end of that section. And that's really real, you know. Even with all that she knows, she's still saying that she still has her times when she's negative. They don't last long, but it still happens. And she still feels... She's certainly not an expert in all this, even though she knows all that she knows. And even with me, I always tell my clients, we're not robots. You know, sometimes something happens, or for whatever reason, we suddenly feel 
down or depressed or low vibration, and that's okay. Just do your best to start pulling yourself up out of it as soon as possible so you don't stay there too long. And the next section is called Our Crucial Lifetime. These days, just about everybody knows that the state of one's physical health is connected to the state of one's mental health. Even doctors, by God, scientists stress the hell out of mice, then watch the cancer cells develop. They deprive baby chimps of mama's breast and watch them develop diabetes. The whole scientific medical community knows all too well there's some kind of link between body and mind. They're just not sure what it is yet. Won't they be surprised when they find out it's nothing but our own energy? I can see the cartoon now. Two doctors standing opposite each other over an opened up patient on the operating table. One says to the other, I've got the tumor out, but where's that damn valve we're supposed to open? Ha ha ha. That's her little joke. Anyway, I'll continue. Illness in any form is nothing more than our negative energies choking off so much of our life flow, those higher frequencies that are our natural state, that cellular damage results. Oh sure, we're always attached energetically by at least a string of that life force, or we be out of here. But a pinched up string, or a closed valve, and a wide open feel-good valve, which allows the life force energy to flow through us freely, are two very different things. One starves the body of its natural life force and life-giving energy, while the other feeds the body. It follows, then, that if a state of higher-than-usual vibration is maintained on a fairly regular basis, sickness cannot possibly happen or be maintained. It just can't. The body, after all, isn't separate from the universe, so when we think a thought, the vibrations run through the body as well as everywhere else. If those vibrations are in harmony with our body's intrinsic programming for well-being or open-valve feel-good, then the cells thrive. But if it's negative energy we're projecting, the cells can't remain strong enough to do their job. All they've had to feed on are the physical foods we've ingested, and that's simply not enough to keep them going. Without the high-frequency energy of life force necessary for them to survive, they eventually weaken and die before their time, no longer able to replicate normally and sustain healthy life. Illness exists for only one reason. Someone has flowed more low-frequency energy than high which of course is why so much illness exists. Find the generally happy person, the one who constantly pulls themselves up and out of negative emotions, and you'll find a healthy person, always. People who are sick have shut themselves off in some degree from their lifeline. It may not be so obvious on the outside, but in some way or other, They've closed their valve off to source energy through worry, blame, guilt, or whatever. Sick people are just misinformed like all of us. They can be devoutly religious, honest, upstanding citizens, dear and trusted friends. But if they are not allowing enough of the flow of their own greater energy into their lives, they are not allowing life. Indeed, all illness without exception 
is the disallowance of that higher energy flow and the ultimate manifestation of one's endless negative emotion. And that's the end of that section. And you know, that might be hard to hear that we're responsible for how sick we are or how healthy we are based on how high or low we're vibrating. But to me, that makes sense. You know, it's hard to believe that and accept that because none of us want to think that we're not vibrating high enough to be healthy. But it's really something to think about and take into consideration. And the next section is called, If You Are Ill. If you currently have an illness, then right off the bat, I'll recommend you stay with your doctor, stay with your treatment, stay with whatever your recovery program is, and that is undoubtedly where your beliefs lie. No sense in ruffling the waters until some new beliefs and new vibrational changes are strongly in place. For centuries, we've held to the doctrine that only something outside of ourselves can make us better, so until we learn to override that gargantuan belief, only an activity which resonates with that conviction, for example, continuing to go outside of self for medical assistance, can possibly offer any measure of recovery. That recovery may be minimal or shaky at best, for if the thoughts and energy flows don't change, the original illness or something worse will be back. But for now, stay with your doctor. However, if you are sick, I ask you to know from the depths of your being that any illness is reversible. While there is probably no more difficult task in this world than attempting to feel up when you're physically down, it is not only achievable, it has been done many, many times. Norman Cousins did it, the publisher who was dying of cancer. He declared, no way am I checking out, and decided to spend his time in a state of laughter. He knew instinctively that if he could reverse the frequencies in his body, it would heal itself. So from his hospital bed, he watched only funny movies, read funny books, had friends tell him jokes, and cured himself completely of the cancer that had raked his body. Then he wrote a book about it. I have to hand it to him. That is one committed soul and teacher. Cousin's recovery is a prime example of what we're talking about here. That it's not our genes, not our sexual habits, not our ingestion of bad meats, and not even our exposure to infection that is at the core of our illness. A connected person flowing life force energy through their body can never ever be affected by those things. What causes illness is body starving and disallowance of life source energy so critical to health and well-being. Now obviously the most spontaneous thing we do when we're hit with an illness, particularly one we view as serious, is fly into action, rush to a doctor, and never take our thoughts off the condition. We're frightened, so of course that's how we react. And yet, with our constant negative focus on the illness, we're cutting off the most important ingredient available to reverse the condition, the curative powers of our higher frequencies. And that's the end of that section. And again, it might be hard to believe and hard to accept, but it really makes a lot of sense to me. 
just intuit intuitively, instinctually. So it's definitely, definitely something to really consider. And the next section is called Mild Cooking, Hefty Cooking. No illness or accident happens overnight. Adversities take a while to cook, usually several years. While your more down than up energy over the years is indeed the hard to swallow cause of what you may be looking at right now that has not one thing to do in this world with what can be. If, for instance, you've been in a serious accident, it didn't happen all of a sudden out of nowhere. As you look back over the years, could you say your pattern of thought has leaned just a little toward low frequencies, anger at family, ticked off at circumstances, aching to be liked, fear of failure, blame, concern over finances, hidden guilt over whatever, it would have been so or you would not have had the accident. That negative momentum builds over time and builds and builds until finally you step into your self-made vortex with another who has his tuning fork pitched the same as yours. And you come together, often head on. Low frequency energy is the cause. Body damage, either accident or illness, is the effect whether it's been building for a few weeks or several decades. And then there's the matter of intensity. Mild, lukewarm negativity over a period of years is still negative vibration, and your body responds in kind with a mild, lukewarm problem. By the same token, a hefty negative flowing of your energy over the years, or even months, will yield a hefty illness, or a good-sized accident. But whatever the physical problem may be, it is nothing more than the result of vibrational abuse to the body, a result which can be undone far more rapidly than it took to create. And that's the end of that section. And once again, it could be hard to believe that. Like, you know, none of us want to believe that because we vibrated so low for years or months that we attracted some bad thing to happen, or some illness. But I just think in my own intuition, well, it's definitely something to consider and definitely more reasons to deliberately keep ourselves at a higher vibration and feeling good. And the next section is called Fooling the Grown-Up. To turn an illness around, once again, we go for trickery, looking for ways to trick the mind into creating the high vibrations required for the cells to begin their process of regeneration. This is not a cure-all, nothing is, for only a change in energy across the board will bring that transformation about. This is the beginning, and one that can work wonders. This trickery is much like writing a new script, but with some important twists added to unhinge a veritable storehouse of rusted old beliefs. We're going to play a little kid's game called Let's Pretend. And I promise if you will dive into this wholeheartedly and play this game full throttle, your valve will open. Okay, here's part one. Let's pretend part one. What if? First, get the jumpstart smile on your face. Then, move into a buzz from that gentle inner smile. When you've got that going, reach back in time to the little kid in you because the game we're going to play is the game of what if. 
What would I do if? Where would I go if? How would I play if? If what? If you were healthy as a horse. If you were young and strikingly good-looking. If you were the frisky, frolicsome youngster you used to be or always wanted to be. If you had three wishes and can do anything you wanted to do and have anything you wanted to have. Get into it and live it as much as you can until the feelings of fun and excitement flood through you. If you're feeling foolish, that's a pretty fair indication of how stuck you are in rigid adult, meaning generally negative vibrations. Let's pretend part two, back then. Now call to mind and feel some actual times when you truly were vibrationally healthy and happy, and that buoyant feeling that went with those times. Maybe it was playing hockey after school in a frozen pond or cheerleading in high school. Maybe it was meandering along a lazy summer stream, picking watercress, or bobsledding with friends down the back nine of the golf course, or hayriding with your first love under a harvest moon. Whatever it was, find your times and go back to the happy feelings that went with them. And part three of Let's Pretend called blending together. And now, put both together. Bounce back and forth between the two feelings, gradually merging your what-ifs and your back-thens into one feeling tone. Let them flow together in a symphony of happy vibrations until the sunny feelings of back-then overlay onto the desired outcomes of what-if. They become one feeling, one happiness, one joyful remembrance. Most important, they are now one outcome. You can't look at how much you don't want your illness and expect to open your valve to well-being at the same time, any more than you can look at not having enough money and feel good about it. It's got to be one or the other, an open valve or a closed valve. Feel good and allow the life force to flow through you to wellness. Or be scared, stiff, cut off of life flow, and perpetuate the illness. Cancer has never been the cause of death to the body, but cutting off the life force through fear, anger, blame, or any other negative vibration will do it every time. If you will allow yourself to really get into playing the what if and back then, and stop being such a stuffy grown-up, you will reach the feelings required to begin bodily changes. The moment you do, the moment you feel yourself as healthy as you used to be or want to be, and can feel it throughout the depths of your being, you launch a whole new creation of you out into time that now exists in a vortex of thought as surely as a tree stands in the forest. You may not be in the forest to see the tree, but it's there. You know it's there. Now don't ignore it. Go off into that place of thought to check out the looks of this new body you've created. Take with you the feelings merged from your games. With those buoyant feelings in place, slip into your new body to check out its shape, how it fits, how it feels, how it works, even how it smells. Pretend, pretend, and feel. If you're in pain, wait for a time when the pain has lessened. Then step into the healing world of let's pretend. Go there as often as you can. Then get out of your own way 
meaning keep your focus off of what hasn't happened yet and let the universe do its thing. At a talk I gave recently, I was asked, as I almost always am, how to get that feeling place of thin when you can see quite clearly that you're fat. It was another let's pretend scenario, knowing that you can't think thin, much less get there when you're feeling fat. A gal in the back who was frantically waving her hand spoke up with the kind of excitement I usually associate with winning the lottery. I mean, she had something to say in no uncertain terms. And sure enough, she hit the nail on the head. It seems this girl had wanted to lose a considerable amount of weight, went through all the usual diets, lost, put back on, lost, put back on, as we've all done. Finally, she got into visualization, which sounded like a good idea, but went nowhere until she decided to put some emotional pizzazz behind the imagery. Then all sorts of things started happening. First came her idea to work out at the gym. A good start, but she was astonished to find she couldn't even fake a desire to go to the gym as she was allowing herself to feel fat. Even more important, she found that as long as she was focusing on her weight, any notion of sticking with the diet past the first few pounds went out the window. So back she went into the visualizations and pretending games, where at first she had to almost bully herself into feeling the weight she wanted to be. It worked. As long as she continued to pretend thin and feel thin and keep her focus off of feeling fat, she could maintain her not-too-stringent diet with relative ease and no longer had to fight with herself about going to the gym. I don't know what her weight was before, but this lovely young woman was a picture-perfect size 12 when I saw her. This is not just simple wanting to be thin or well. You can't just want and expect it to happen. It's refocusing and refeeling. Refocusing and refeeling. Refocusing and refeeling. Your body will always respond to the image you give it, provided it's accompanied with the appropriate feeling, fat or thin, sick or well. It's always a choice. The secret to reversing anything within the body is to get your focus off what you don't want, find any way you can to get into the feeling place of what you do want, then know with a certainty that the laws of the universe are working and must bring that felt vision into reality as long as you don't squelch it. And that's the end of that section. And again, it's a lot to take on. It's a lot to convince ourselves that we're that responsible for how healthy we are or how sick we are or how good we feel or how good we don't feel. So I would suggest re-listening to this podcast because there was a lot of different unique information in here that probably most of us have heard before and take it into consideration and try it out for yourself and see what happens. So thanks again for listening. If you want to experience some wonderful Law of Attraction coaching, just go to lifecoachdavid.com and you can contact me through there. But in the meantime, do your best to enjoy your day as much as possible. And as I always say, have a high vibration day.